Welcome to CME on ReachMD. This episode is part of our Minute CE curriculum. Prior to beginning the activity, please be sure to review the faculty and commercial support disclosure statements, as well as the learning objectives. My name is Dr. Richard Isaacson. I'm a preventive neurologist at the Institute for Neurodegenerative Diseases, Florida, and that's in Boca Raton, Florida. Today, we'll be talking about challenges in recognizing and diagnosing MCI or mild cognitive impairment due to Alzheimer's disease earlier. The clinical use of measurement-based care and diagnostic tools used to diagnose MCI earlier are several, but they're also tricky to understand and detailed. So how early is too early to diagnose before or after symptoms begin and who to screen and how to screen them? That's what we'll cover today. We'll talk about how to take a clinical history, the different types of cognitive tests we can consider, varying and emerging blood tests that are, I think a lot of people are excited about, and then the old standard, which is really the gold standard, which is spinal fluid testing via spinal taps or brain imaging through amyloid or tau PET. So with that, let's begin. When we think about how early is the right way to go, well, believe it or not, Alzheimer's disease and other neurodegenerative dementias start in the brain decades sometimes before symptoms begin. So as an example, if at age 85, say 40% or so of people have Alzheimer's, that disease first started in their brain between the ages of 55 and 65. Now it starts silently, but still it starts. If at age 65, about 10% or so of people have Alzheimer's, then the disease first started in their brains between the ages of 35 and 45. And while there is a long prodromal period of silent disease, when we reach the first early symptomatic phase of mild cognitive impairment, that's when we can do something. And that's when we have new therapies that I think the field and especially myself and my patients are very excited about. So who to screen and when to screen them. There's a focus on patients who report memory complaints, including caregivers that report them or family members who report cognitive problems to the clinician. Um, it's really important also uh, to think about risk factors. What puts a person at a higher risk for Alzheimer's disease. Um, there are several modifiable risk factors as well as age, uh, of course, is a non-modifiable risk factor, genetics, and a variety of others. It's also important to establish a workflow, especially for an initial screening and also follow-up screenings. Uh, there's something called the annual Medicare wellness visit that's paid for, and maybe working into each of those annual Medicare at Medicare wellness visits, uh, the element of cognitive screening as well as how are you doing with your memory and how are your thinking skills doing and just being more proactive at the annual physical, not just to really talk about the physical, but talk about the mental and cognitive as well. So how do you screen? Um, I wish I had an easy, straightforward and quick answer, but it's complicated. The first and best way to screen is really to take a detailed clinical history and also take a neurological history. Um, have there been any changes in your memory and thinking skills over the past several months or years? Uh, getting a report from an informant like a caregiver, a family member, a spouse or child is really critical, but also asking the patient. It's also important to incorporate the standardized cognitive screening instruments, including questionnaires or cognitive testing in the office. Um, and if it's worrisome results, then you can consider referral for full neuropsychological testing. While we can't cover all of the different options, um, there's a variety of screening tools in the waiting room, like the 88. The Minicog only takes a few minutes, which is a three-word recall as well as drawing a clock. And I think most people are aware of the MOCA and the Mini Mental Status Exam, which take at least seven to 10 minutes or so, but give a lot more uh, depth of information. But again, these are still screening and not full diagnostic tests. 
where the field is going is really focusing on biomarkers. Um, doing a structural MRI to look for different areas of brain atrophy is critical. Um, amyloid PET scans and even tau PET scans in the last few years are now available to truly get biological confirmation, although these tests are expensive and they're not always available uh, throughout every place. And there's also some radiation. Um, FDG PET, which is glucose uh, uh, PET or looking for glucose hypermetabolism is also available. And of course, spinal taps looking for A beta 42 to 40 ratio and looking at tau. And the emerging tests include the amyloid blood tests, different tau isoforms, NFL or neurofilament light, and GFAP or glial fibrillary acidic protein, which looks for neuroinflammation. And while the biomarkers of the kind of the gold standard to be certain that someone has a di diagnosis of mild cognitive impairment due to Alzheimer's disease rather than a different variety of, of cognitive decline, using spinal taps or uh, PET scans uh, are really the gold standard today. Well, we can look at MRIs and look for atrophy. That's helpful. But uh, I think in the future, in terms of uh, really where our field is going is to use blood tests. Uh, blood tests are now available in the United States, uh, but they aren't yet the gold standard, but they've even been uh, recently worked into the draft uh, research diagnostic criteria uh, that came out in the summer of 2023. So with that, um, I'll conclude. I hope this was helpful and um, uh, thanks for spending time with us today. You've been listening to CME on ReachMD. This activity is jointly provided by Global Learning Collaborative, GLC, and Total CME LLC, and is part of our Minute CE curriculum. To receive your free CME credit or to download this activity, go to reachmd.com slash CME. Thank you for listening.